Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. This is a special episode with two authors. I am interviewing Taylor Kokek about his collection of short stories called Thrillville USA, which by the way, I saw a huge display of in the Hudson News in Newark Airport, and I forgot to tell him. So now he knows if he's listening to this. His wife is Jocelyn Takax, and Jocelyn's book Pierce Oysters will be coming out in 2024 from Zibby Books. We acquired her book, which is absolutely beautiful. It's being edited by Jordan Blumetti and We just all could not be more excited about Jocelyn and her novel. And so when I realized that her husband, Taylor, had a collection of short stories, I wanted to interview him, of course. And so I interviewed them together. So this is an introduction to Jocelyn and a little preview of Pierce Oysters and also a discussion about Taylor's collection of short stories, which have gotten a lot of media attention. Here's his official bio. Taylor Cook Cook's debut short story collection, Thrillville USA, was released in March of 2023 by Simon & Schuster. His stories have appeared in the Paris Review, Plowshares, Glimmer Train, and elsewhere. He lives in Portland, Oregon with his wife, the novelist Jocelyn Takax. 
Welcome, Taylor. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Thrillville, USA stories. Thanks for being here. It's my pleasure. So, Taylor, I have to say, I heard about you through your wife, who's sitting next to you, Jocelyn, whose book, as you all know, we're publishing with Zippy Books, Pierce Oysters. So exciting. So it's really nice to be doing a double, double whammy episode today. Thank you both for coming. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's very fun to be here together, too. Yay. And soon we'll do Jocelyn's, like before you know it. And we'll be like, remember when we did that other one and it felt like a long time, <laughs> a long time away. And here we are. Yeah. I get to come on to that one too, right? Right. Yeah, totally. We'll just keep this going. And then you'll write your next book. And, you know, we'll just flip flop over. Like, you know. Taylor did a reading at Powell's and I got to ask him questions afterwards. And they they kindly said that we could we could do a couple show next time. Oh. comes out so now it's the only way we're doing it <laughs> yeah seriously you should just interview i could just watch this is great we'll both interview taylor this is fun okay so taylor thrillville usa tell us about your short story collection you're such a good writer these stories are great dark great like really emotional and your writing is so awesome like so vibrant and just like at times creepy, at times like, you know, it just made me feel so much, which is what good writing does. Oh, thanks for that, Zibi. Well, yeah, so Thrillville USA, it's a short story collection. Most of the stories happen in Oregon, or at least pretty close to the neighborhood. The title Thrillville USA, actually, there used to be a dangerous ramshackle theme park, little amusement park off of I-5 in Oregon, which was called Thrillville USA, where the titular story came from, although I invented everything else. That you'll see in there. What else should I say about it? <laughs> Are the stories connected? Oh, that's a good question. A little bit. There's a few characters who appear in one story and reemerge elsewhere. There's some locations that might be revisited twice or more. But mostly, I think the strongest connection is just that they all happen in the same neighborhood, more or less. I, I use that figuratively across Oregon, a little yeah. LA, a little Seattle, but Pacific Northwest. Yeah. I mean, the collection's book ended, too, with the same protagonist. So the main character in Thrillville. Starts us and ends us. Mm -hmm. Which is very clever. Love that. I particularly loved the Drowned Woman story. And there was a passage. So in the Drowned Woman, there's a body found floating and there's a sort of vagrant man on the sidelines with his friend. Not sidelines. uh, The shore. (laughs) I'm going to do any kids' sporting events on the shore. And when they realize it's a woman and they see the car seat, there's a line where they're like, wait, moms don't kill them. Like moms would never do that. You know, and and the and the other character's like, well, moms can do that. Like it's, you know, so I don't know. I just said I related to that. And then like the man with his son coming and it's so, the way you describe the setting, like I literally felt like I was sitting on the banks of that lake with like, the guy's smelly foot and God knows what else and, you know, wanting to get out of there. So, um, <laughs> so for example, tell me about that story. Like, when did you, when did you come up with that? How did you think of these, of these tales? Cause, and like come up with the people and just tell me the whole backstory. Well, Zuby, that one is autobiographical purely. Not really. That was not autobiographical. <laughs> no, actually. Well, and now I see that is the creepiest story in the book. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's my mom's least favorite story. Oh, book. really? Okay. That story is also actually one of the oldest stories in the book. I wrote that when 
we were back in, well, I was in Baltimore. You'd since moved on to LA. But really, I think the only the only place that I found that story in real life, there's no body in, a, in the reservoir, but the old abandoned turbine shack where these two men are shacked up for a while is a place in Oregon called White River Falls that I used to go to as a kid. And it's just this beautiful ruined old turbine shack for a dam that's been been decommissioned. Actually, you and I went there once when we were driving to Bend. And I thought about it ever since I was a kid. And I thought it was such a pretty place. But then I go on to make sort of a a fairly grotesque story with with a place that I found so pretty when I was a child. No, I call it grotesque. It'd be a little hard on it. I mean, yeah, the book generally isn't all that grotesque, but that one story is... Well, particularly, you know, having... The man is his name Sam. I'm, I'm really bad with names. Sam, how Sam is like cuddling up with the dead body at the yeah. end. Like I'll, I mean, whatever. But, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm reading. I'm like, okay, like where's you know, where's it coming from? Is it, or do you think about like? I mean, I know it's hard to even answer questions about fiction writing because it all comes from the subconscious some way, shape, or form, and then just like spews out and you're like, I don't even know. But mm-hmm. but if you had any idea where things like that come from or, you know, I feel like you're you're capturing sort of like the underbelly, like the 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 seediness and like the desperation almost of characters in hard places. Yeah, and I think that's something that happens throughout the book. Um, although there are other stories that, um, I might steal more anecdotes from my personal life. This story, uh, The Drowned Woman, is the furthest removed from autobiography, obviously. But I think all of the stories have characters pitted in um, in desperate situations. And some of those, you know, like um, Dirt Nap, There's a Stolen Van. That one actually happened to us in real life. We did get no a room. Well, okay, I, I should rephrase. In the, in the story... <laughs> The character hands the van over in a bumbling way to a stranger who's going to help park it, and then he drives off. In real life, we forgot to put a steering club onto a van that did vanish the next morning. And, but Yeah, and because this van had been uh, stolen before, you could use anything to start it. Uh, you didn't need um, a key, so it was, it was quite easy to steal. Yeah, and The steering club was a big oversight. <laughs> right. <laughs> But my roommate at the time was very understanding. She was away on a on a vacation and came back to no van. She was very, very nice. <laughs> so, yeah, there's some stories where it's easier for me to see where the desperate situations come from because I've stolen anecdotes from my lives or my family's lives and my friends' lives and repurposed them heavily. Thrillville the same way, but or the titular story. But for the drowned woman, I don't remember where that business came from. It was so long ago. Well, th- we can talk about Thrillville too. I mean, the end of the Thrillville story, I mean, is it, a, is it giving spoilers when you talk about the end of a story? Do we not do that? I don't know. You know, it's, I think it's a short story collection. You're not really hanging on it moment to moment for the plot. It doesn't spoil the book, you know? It's like no, saying yeah. it happens in a chapter. I think okay. You think we're okay? Well, yeah. anyway, the drug use part that happens at the end with you know, opening up the patches and, you know, this sort of mad binge of drugs that ends up not in a good way. Like it, that also speaks to this attempt to escape or something. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I'm wondering where all of this is coming. Have you analyzed yourself? Let's just go there. Where is all this coming 
from you. What? Why do you like to write <laughs> this type of story about this type of thing? Do you have any idea? And if not, we'll just hmm. move on. And Jocelyn, weigh in if you'd like to be an armchair <laughs> psychologist. Yeah, you're my the closest thing I got to a therapist. What? <laughs> I mean, Taylor's. Uh, how can I say this? And <laughs> Taylor's uh, has just always been. He has a dark sense of humor. He he delights in seeing the best in people, which, I mean, I think Taylor's writing is like a distillation of who he is at his best. He's <laughs> so funny. He's so insightful. And he's so generous in his like perceptions of people because he writes about people who are in hard spots in their lives. You know, they're struggling with drug addiction. They're struggling with housing. They're in failing relationships. They're trying to sell their book, you know. And he looks at people who are behaving badly and he just is like clear. He's honest about what's really happening with them. But, you know, I think you never turn against his characters because they're portrayed with so much generosity, I think. Mm, yeah, I second that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm wondering how does that, I mean, I think that is the instinct and that's where the stories come from of um, trying to see a little generosity into people's weaker moments. It's, it's, I think it's just what affects me about storytelling. Those are the stories that move me and what I'm drawn to. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help. And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. 
get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Moms Don't Have Time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Moms Don't Have Time. Tell me about starting writing and why short stories and when you were drawn to those in general and like your whole life up till now. Where'd you come from? Where'd you grow up? Like you're from Oregon, right? From Oregon. Actually, and now we live about maybe a mile from my childhood home. My parents have since moved moved out of it, but we ended up surprisingly close to where I started, started. The hospital where I was born is down the street. But then eventually I got, uh, I went to a creative writing MFA program in Baltimore at Johns Hopkins University, which is where Jocelyn and I met, although we didn't start dating there at the time. She was introduced to me as one of my good friends, girlfriends, actually. Ooh. But a lot of time comes in between nothing salacious. <laughs> me and this good friend are still good friends. <laughs> but so that's an important through line, though. That's that's where that story starts. Started writing short fiction. Well, at the MFA and a little bit towards the end of college. And short stories, I did those over novels because they're easier. Now I have to do the novel, too. But uh, Jocelyn's going to tell me how to do that one. <laughs> she obviously is a novelist, although she writes and publishes short stories, too, that are brilliant. And then I graduated MFA, wandered around with a whole lot of direction, lived in uh, Central Oregon for a while with my twin brother, who is a, uh, well, he was a flight instructor at the time, sort of experimented with writing there, had my share of failures. Then I guess Jocelyn and I reconvened at a writer's conference in Tampa and then we just hit it off and we started long distance dating. Wait, wait had, had had not that this is any of my business. Had Jocelyn broken up with the boyfriend? Oh yeah, long ago, long ago. Okay, in fact, okay. there'd been a boyfriend in between that one already. So it was old news. Year, okay. Years went by. Years went by. And we ran into each other at this conference and it just made sense. <laughs> and so we embarked on this long distance relationship without a plan for how it would work out. And we dated long distance for a year and a half. And I, I think us being both fiction writers was really why our relationship worked out. I mm-hmm. think it was kind of a part of our, our courtship, actually. Yeah, we were trading, writing back and forth, shooting each other pictures of, uh, you know, passages we were reading. Oh, yeah. So we did that for quite a while. So wait, what are some of the books that you excerpted for each other? Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Were, they, were they poems or stories or what? There might have been a few poems from you, but it was mostly fiction. I remember there's a passage towards getting towards the end of uh, George Saunders's Lincoln in the Bardo. There's just this really stunning beauty of a passage that I think I sent, <laughs> you probably sent back and forth a couple of times just. Uh, right. He would take pictures of, you know, his the book in his hands with like a pencil mark <laughs> by the beginning of where I should read and then the end of where I should read. Aww. The you know three images, which is a really it's a really nice text to receive at night. You know, do you remember any that you sent me? Oh, I was probably reading the moviegoer at the time, and Richard Ford's stories, Rock Springs, Mm -hmm. and Taylor turned me on to Marilyn Robinson's work. Yeah, I I think like also dating another writer, it's like we become closer to one another in sensibilities 
it's like because we're kind of this feedback <laughs> all the time of what we're reading and what we like about what we're reading we're talking about that all the time mm-hmm. we're slowly becoming the same person um, <laughs> i just earlier today interviewed jane delory about hedge which is coming out this month from Zoe books and she's also married to a writer have you talked to her about this anyway you should all four have like a double date or something but she she was saying she offered recently to put him on retainer because she was always asking him to read stuff and edit stuff and all of that Oh, yeah. yeah. Jocelyn's always been my first reader and editor. She's had a, a big hand in my work. My book would look really different if if I weren't with Jocelyn. Yeah, I would be absolutely bankrupt if I had to pay him. <laughs> the amount of hours he spends. Oh, no, no. In, well, I guess maybe it all, maybe it cancels out. Mm-hmm. Jane's in Baltimore. She also went to Hopkins. So we'll, Yes, she did. We'll uh-huh. meet her probably in the fall. Cool. Yeah. We're going... I hope to give a reading if we're still invited. Or oh, Hopkins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll have us. Oh, that's fun. Very cool. When's, when's your book coming out? Me? Well, June. Zibby. She's. Isn't it in June? Yeah. June. Yeah. June. The first Tuesday in June. Whenever that is. My cool. My pre-ordered copy hasn't arrived yet, but probably June fourth. Yeah, June fourth, twenty twenty-four. Six four two four. That sounds good, doesn't it? Plug for Jane's book. Everyone should read Hedge. <laughs> it's a good title. What were we talking about? Oh, writerly life. How did we get here? I feel like we covered our we covered that. We right? covered our relationship. Writer, yeah, I guess writerly life sort of blurs into the romantic life for us. Similar story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Writer's and you were writer. talking about your beautiful epistolary courtship, which actually yeah. made me remember that at the very beginning, Kyle used to send me songs, and now I'm like. I don't think he sent me a song since like 2018 or something. I don't know. I'm like, whatever happened to the songs? I'm going to ask him after this. You know, you send me a lot of songs too. Although in the courtship, it's different. You're not, you don't spend as much time with each other. There's more time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Now you just listen to music together, maybe. I'm I'm kind of curious of you what songs Kyle sent. Mm -hmm. Oh, he sent me this one. Well, I've, he sent me a song called um, The Famous Flower of Manhattan by the Avid Brothers. Oh, I love that song. Yes. And that's like basically how we got together. But story for <laughs> another time. But I was like, oh, my God. Because it's about this flower that you leave and you love her, but you have to leave her to like grow and be her beauty. Why am I even talking about this on your podcast? But anyway, <laughs> that was the first song. And I like he sent it to me and I pulled over on the side of the road. I cried for like 10 minutes. I remember that story because it's in it's in bookends. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Oh my gosh, that now I'm like repeating myself from my book. But thank you for reading bookends. And he also <laughs> sent me this great song, "Let's Be Still." Do you know that song? Let's, it's probably not what it's called. Let's be still. Anyway, it's really calming. And I remember I was going through like all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. soon after and. Whenever I was really stressed, I remember like playing it even in like a taxi before I went into these like nerve wracking meetings and I would just like play this song, Let's Be Still. And then I felt much better going in. I should really pull that song up right about now. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it seems to have been lost. Anyway, so what are you, so are you working on a novel, Taylor? What do you think? Oh, working I am. I mean, depending on the day, it's a generous word for it. I'm beating my head on the keyboard for a novel. It'll come soon. I'm confident that something will shake loose, but 
this is how my writing process usually goes. I have a lot of false starts, abandoned efforts, uh, just looking for that right angle approach that makes it feel, oh, you know, a story is possible here. So I'm uh, I'm circling it. I'm writing pages. I'm throwing them out. All necessary, I told myself. Out of the process. Uh, yeah. I think this book, I won't say too much because, you know, superstitious and I don't have too much on the page yet. But I think we'll return to Oregon one more time. And then I think I should start writing about somewhere else, probably. Okay. Although, you know, some authors really have their places. That's their thing. It's true. Yeah. I mean, there's that. You're like the Joan Joan Didion of Oregon. Of Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Once how I'm so described lucky. most of the time. I say that it's just so hard to see Taylor throw away work because he is writing all of the time. And, you know, his rough drafts are so great, but you can't make someone else believe in a start of a story. Mm. Interesting. As a, as a writer partner, that is hard to watch. It would be a fun experiment if you just took all of his discarded work and sort of threaded it into something. And like, then you gave it back to him later. You know, it's like you could co-write your next novel. I would love to hitch my wagon to that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, no. Jocelyn, have you worked on your, your pitch for Pierce Oysters yet? what it's about? I haven't had to do this out loud in a while. I'm actually working on finishing the developmental edit for Jordan this week. So it's a, it's a big week. So Pierce Oysters is a family drama that takes place in 2010 over the course of the BP oil spill. And it follows a family that runs a small oyster business that has been around for 90 years. And it traces their their family tensions as they have to figure out how to react as the oil is encroaching on their oyster farm. Amazing. That was a great pitch. It's a great pitch, isn't it? It was a great pitch. To the point, it doesn't give away too much. Sense of urgency, uh, right? Like the encroaching, you know, that's good. It leaves out how beautiful and brilliant it is, though, too. True. Yes. We can workshop this later, Sibby, you and me. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I thought that was great. I really thought that was great. Um, You might add, and the community. I feel like the community is also trying to figure out how to handle it. We might mention that we get to go to New Orleans also, from the bayou to New Orleans and back. But there's it runs the gamut of, of, of a lot of other pressing issues. We got... Drug addiction and dependency on prescribed yep. prescription drugs. We have. There's a lot. There's a lot in there. Uh, you packed it all in. I know. It's, it's, it's a so big, serious, beautiful novel. It is. It is. <laughs> it's exciting. It's so exciting. Well, thank you to the two of you. Next time I'll bring Kyle. And the four of us can can hang on Zoom. But congratulations on your first, is this the first as a couple, this first, right? Yeah, this is the first couple book. The next one's next year for the couple books. Yeah, first on the couple. Yeah, I got to clear the bookshelf in the house. So there you go. Thrillville, USA. Congratulations and keep working your magic. Oh, thank you, Zibby. Thanks so much for having us on, Zibby. That was really fun. All right, guys, have a great day. You You too. too. Okay, bye-bye. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.